أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائم على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well and welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Durakmail podcast in the last episode we ended here where imam ali was still explaining the comparison that he was making between the difficulties that we deal with in this world as opposed to the difficulties that we deal with in the next world and he said the difficulties of this world they will be there for a short amount of time and it will be not too difficult to deal with them but still it's difficult for him to deal with these difficulties and therefore he posed this question towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if he is the type of individual and he's human at the end of the day and he is not going to be able to you know uh, tolerate the difficulties of this world how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expect him to then be able to take the difficulties the punishment and the challenges of the next world so he explained that the difficulties in this world they're there for a short amount of time and then he moved on he said but when it comes to the difficulties of the next world he used three different phrases to essentially refer to and describe what those difficulties would look like he said the time of it is going to continue for a very long time and it doesn't go away so this is what we were talking about. We said that the time is going to be a very long time. We refer to some verses of the Quran that talk about how the day of judgment for some people, it might take 50,000 years for them. And that is part of their punishment. And then we also talked about how the Imam says, that this difficulty, this punishment, it is not lessened, it is not lowered uh, for those who actually are dealing with this punishment. This is where we quoted those verses of the Quran from Surah Al-Ghafir in which the people of the hellfire, they will essentially ask the guardians of the hellfire who are the angels around the hellfire. They will ask them and they will beg them to have them approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to have them ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send a little bit of mercy their way through lessening and lowering the punishment for at least a day, giving them a day off from this punishment. And the angels responded, they said, listen, let me ask you a question. Did you guys not have messengers coming back with and telling you that this is what is going to happen? Did you not receive the message essentially? And they said, they said, yes, we did. And the reaction of the angels was fadu. So if that's the case, then you can call and cry as much as you want, but your call does not hold any value. Now again, I mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, and I'll have to mention it again because all the time, what we uh, hear is that whenever we talk about the hellfire, there's a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of misconceptions surrounding the the topic and the concept of the hellfire. So I'll mention this again that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rejects the mercy of these individuals or rejects, you know, giving them this mercy, right, and granting them this mercy, it's not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is cruel, it's not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is billah, like he's like this mean king who will punish people even as they're begging for help. No, it's because technically their request for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not genuine. 
because if their request for help was genuine, they would have done it in the 50, 60, 70 years of their life in this world. Whereas as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tried to approach them in this world metaphorically, they continue to reject his mercy. So now when they call out for his mercy, it's not so much that they want his mercy. It's not that they qualify for his mercy. It's more so that they just don't want to go through the punishment. Okay, so we have to understand that this call for mercy is not a genuine one. And that is not that is exactly why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not responding to them. It's not that it's a genuine call for mercy. And that is predicated essentially on the type of people that they were in this world. That's why you find in the verses of the Quran, I believe it's Surah Al-Dukhan if I'm not mistaken, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these guys, they claim that if we remove the punishment from them, that they would come back to the right path, right? But then the Quran says, How can these guys truly uh, you know, be reminded of the truth. In other words, how can they come back to the right path? Whereas in this world, we sent them the clearest of signs. They knew the truth, you know, back, you know, you know, from cover to cover. They knew it very well. And still they rejected the truth. So what is going to make them now believe in this message? So what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is that this request is not a genuine request. Otherwise, if it was a genuine request that would have reflected itself in the actions that these people were carrying out while they were alive in this world. And once that happens, yes, when someone asks for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day, yes, if it's a genuine call for mercy, which again would have manifested itself in their actions in this world, then yes, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be there. That's why the verses of the Quran says, an kathir, and he forgives many sins, right? Sometimes even a sin that someone may have not even repented from, you know, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive it because of certain other actions that they have done. Right? As the verses of the Quran say, The good deeds, they will remove the bad deeds. So there's a lot of forgiving that happens, but it happens for a, a person whose call, whose request for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a genuine one. And the way to know how someone is genuine in their call and in their request for mercy is to see whether that essentially manifests itself in their actions while they, they are still alive, right? Because everyone who goes to the next world, at that point, everyone is going to be, you know, essentially regretting what they're doing. That's easy. Once you're standing there and there is a whole mountain of fire in front of you, as some of the ahadith mention, then of course everybody is going to look at that fire, that mountain of fire and say, well, I don't want this, right? Everyone is going to say no to that at that point. But that's not the test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put us through. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put us through a test where if you know that there's going to be that mountain of fire, then would you ask for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now? Which is not a difficult thing to do except for if you are dealing with a super arrogant person. For an arrogant person, then yes, that is going to be something that is going to be difficult. Okay, having understood understand that, let's understand this line of the dua. He said, It is not lessened, it is not lowered from those who are going through this difficulty. The next line sort of elaborates on this. The reason why this punishment is not lessened and lowered is because this punishment is, you know, 
simply and very directly stemming from the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is coming from a place of no mercy. And how does somebody end up in that place? This is a person who qualifies for no mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you end up in that place? The way you end up in that place is when you fundamentally turn away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why I was saying in the last episode that a lot of people may not necessarily fall under this category. In fact, when I look at you know the people that I've known in my life, right, all the people that I've come across, there are very little people that you could point to and say this person knew the truth and he still turned away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, the Abu Lahabs of the world, the Muawiyahs of the world, they, they would fall under this category, right? The Yazids of the world, they would definitely fall under this category. Even sometimes some politicians that you see nowadays, right? They would fall under this category. But normal people, I, you know, this is just my personal opinion. There's no hadith or verse of the Quran here that I'm quoting. But, you know, 99% of them won't fall under this category. I have yet to come across somebody that I can easily and confidently say that this person knew the truth and turned away from it, right? That rarely, rarely happens. Okay, but if someone does fall under that category, then they don't qualify for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all. Therefore, the only thing that is waiting for them on the day of judgment is the wrath and the anger and the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what this line is saying. This punishment is only coming from a place of your wrath, a place of your vengeance or your punishment, and a place of your anger. Okay, this is why in the verses of the Quran, we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly places this contrast as to how he is going to be dealing with people. This is Surah Al-Hijr, verses 49 and 50. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ibadi rahim or ibadi anni rahim. Go and tell my servants that they should know that I am the one who is extremely forgiving and I am the one who is extremely, you know, merciful, right? And ghafur means the one who often does that, right? So oft forgiving, as they say, the one who is constantly forgiving. Ar-Rahim, the one who is specifically merciful. But then on the other hand, and you see this contrast, right? On the other hand, But if someone acts in such a way where they reject the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they turn away from his message fundamentally after knowing the truth 100%. This person, Also tell them that my punishment is also a painful punishment. I think I've talked about this a little bit in some of our other episodes, but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says my punishment, this is a little bit of metaphorical speech here, which is very common in the verses of the Quran, because technically the punishment of the hellfire, it does not come directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it comes from our actions. The only thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does is that he removes the veil between us and our actions. In this world, we do things and we don't realize the reality of them. In the next world, we will get to see the reality of them. And essentially, that is what makes up the hellfire and the punishment of a person. And this is a whole discussion, of course. We have so many ahadith and verses of the Quran to back up this point that I just made. But of course, that's not the, the topic of this particular episode. So I'll c c carry on with the dua. But just know, and this is a disclaimer that you might have heard from me earlier in the episodes, and you'll hear it from me again later on in the episodes. But... Essentially, whenever we talk about hellfire, 
we are not talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala getting upset like a king gets upset and therefore says, you know what, I have to punish these guys because they didn't listen to me and because they made me upset. It's That's not how it works with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have emotions in such a way where you can affect his mood because he's not vulnerable like that. He's not like a human being where you can play around with the mood that he has, right? I always joke around and I say, you can't ruin God's day, right? You can't do something in the morning and God is just like upset all of a sudden and his day is ruined, right? He's not a human being. So having understood that, when we talk about his wrath, technically we are talking about his punishment. And again, we have verses of the Quran and we have hadith that talks more about this. We don't have time to get into that right now. Okay, then the Imam continues. He says, And this punishment, because it is a punishment that is only coming from a place of anger, it is only coming from a place of wrath, it is only coming from a place of vengeance of yours. There's no mercy involved in it. It is the type of punishment that the heavens and the earth cannot bear. Right? Even the heavens and the earth cannot withstand this type of punishment. So what is the this line of Du'a saying? Well, if you look at the verses of the Qur'an and basically in any, any language that you look at, you would essentially talk about um, you know, certain things as being icons of strength, as being icons of perseverance. And usually like mountains would be a good example of that, right? If you want to speak of someone who is able to bear anything and withstand anything, you'll say like, this guy's like a mountain. You can't move him at all, right? This is what the Quran is saying. The Quran is saying the heavens and the earth, right? Which is like really big in our minds. Even they, with all of their stability, cannot withstand the punishment, the type that is only coming from his vengeance and his wrath. Okay. And it's interesting because when you look at the verses, or forgive me, the ahadith that we have, um, you find traces where the Ahlul Bayt actually talk about how if this world were to host some of the punishments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that this world would not be able to take it. Like literally, the world would essentially stop to stop functioning if it were to host some of the punishments that you will find in the next world. So I'll give you some examples of this, right? In the verses of the Quran, the uh, Quran says, On that day, these guys, they will have to taste and drink from Hamim and Ghassaq. What is Hamim and Ghassaq? These are essentially two uh, terrible drinks that the people of Hellfire will have to drink, right? They are boiling, right? And they are very dark. Okay, now the hadith says in the interpretation of this hadith uh, or of this verse of the Quran, the Prophet says that if you were to take essentially a bottle or a bucket of this water of ghassaq, as the Quran refers to it, and you were to pour it into earth, right? If you were to pour it on this land that we live in, the hadith says that it smells so bad, right? And it stinks so bad that the whole earth and everybody in it would essentially die from how horrible it smells. Now, these are scary hadiths again, but again, I'm mentioning that disclaimer on the side that it's it's difficult for someone to reach this point, right? But God mentions all this as a deterrent for us, right? And if, and if it strikes fear in our heart, that's not a bad thing. That is part of what, you know, makes Islam what it is. 
hellfire and the fear of hellfire is a real fear and is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has talked about in the verses of the Quran. We just have to remember that this is for someone who sinks really, really low. But at the same time, because any of us has that potential, it's used as a deterrent to just explain how low somebody can get that they're worthy of something like this. Again, in the verses of the Quran, what you find is that there's talk of this tree known as Shajaratu Zakum, the tree of Zakum. And the verses of the Quran tell us that this tree of Zakum, it grows in the middle of hellfire. Now, what does that exactly mean? It seems to be saying that, you know, it's at the very core of this punishment, right? Usually when you move into the middle of something, that means you're at the very core of it. That means you're at the very peak of it. Okay. And then the verses of the Quran say that these guys, that they will have to eat from the fruits of this tree. And in other verses of the Quran, I believe it's Surah Al-Safat, we read that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the fruits of this tree of Zakum, they are like the heads of the shayateen. What does that mean? We really don't know. But it's just explaining that it is really an, a disgusting and an ugly thing to have to deal with. Now, Hadith says that if you were to take a drop from the this tree, like if you were to extract a drop from this tree and bring it into this world, that the mountains would implode. They would explode, right? Whereas this is what the people of the hellfire will have to eat and have to drink. So when the when the, ver, when the when the phrase of the du'a says, This is what it's talking about. That this punishment, because it's coming from a place of pure wrath and vengeance, right? A, a place of pure punishment. It is such that the heavens and the earth cannot withstand it. And going back to the point that Imam Ali is making, he's saying, well, then how, Ya Allah, do you expect someone like me to be able to withstand this type of punishment. And the thing is, here's here's the, you know, the it's a little bit of an oxymoron, it's a little bit of a of an ironic situation, but as much as this might strike fear in someone's heart, the moment it does strike fear in their heart, naturally if it's real fear, what's going to happen? They're going to ask God for mercy and therefore they're not going to have to deal with this. Right? So when this comes up, again, it's just showing that the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting there for us. The whole idea that the Qur'an talks about these punishments is for us to just have a moment where we realize, oh my God, I don't want that. Let me seek refuge in him and his refuge is going to be there automatically, right? So it's not to say that when the Qur'an is talking about these things, it's just sitting there and threatening us. No, the Qur'an is there, the hadith and the dua is there to just remind us so that then we understand, oh my God, I don't want this. Let me run to the embrace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let him embrace me with his mercy and therefore you're done. And the, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be there. Okay, so that's a point to keep in mind as we're going through these because I know that sometimes we go through these lines and it might seem harsh and we want to make sure that we understand what Quran and Hadith are trying to get across to us. Quran and Hadith are not there to just scare us. No, they're not there for that. Quran and Hadith are there to warn us so that we run towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if that warning happens and you run towards Him, then essentially you have nothing to worry about at that point because He will embrace you with his embrace of mercy and blessings, inshallah. Moving on. Ya Sayyidi, fakayfa bi wa ana abduka al-da'ifu al-dhalil al-haqeeru al-miskeenu al-mustakeen. 
right? My Lord, then you know my master, then how how is this going to relate to me? How am I going to be able to withstand something like this? While I am the one who is lowly, I am the one who is, you know, abased, I am the one who's weak, I'm the one who's miserable, right? Like how am I going to be able to withstand something like this? And then because he knows that he cannot withstand something like this, essentially he starts moving towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like I just mentioned. You have that fear. That fear is to cause you to move towards the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now he's just talking about how vulnerable he is. Now he says this, Ya ilahi wa rabbi wa sayyidi wa mawlai. Because this is the situation, my Lord, my Master, the one who nurtures me every day, then you see that I have all these problems on my hand. I don't know which of my problems to complain to you. Because I was talking about this punishment. This punishment, it has multiple aspects and neither of these aspects are aspects that I can actually take, right? And he talks about two aspects of it in particular. Which of these problems that I have can I come and cry to you? Like I don't know which one to choose, right? To complain to you about. Meaning that I'm like, I'm really, really in a tough situation here. Am I supposed to complain and cry and weep because of how painful that punishment is going to be on the Day of Judgment? Or should I complain and cry essentially because of I know because of me knowing how long this punishment is going to take, right? It's severe and it's long. Usually in life, the things that we deal with will have one or the other, right? Usually it's either a sprint or a marathon, right? Usually it's, it's, it's one day and it's a lot of pain or it's a whole year and you get used to the pain. But what the imam is saying is that, no, the punishment in that world, it has both as aspects to the max. Okay. Then he starts with these lines. He says, you know what? The only option I have is that if I do end up there, and again, this person, this is from this point onwards, is hypothetical talk because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees his servant having fear of him, and again, if it's genuine fear, it's not just the fear that this person is lying about and just has it on his tongue. It's not lip service. No, if it's real fear, then he is automatically embraced with the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? But so this is hypothetical. And if you remember in a couple episodes ago, we talked about how Imam Ali does use hypothetical talk and hypothetical statements to highlight the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is exactly what he's going to be doing again. He says, فَلَإِنْ سَيَّرْتَنِي لِلْعُقُوبَاتِ مَعَ أَعْدَائِكِ He says, you know what? If I do end up there, then you tell me what I'm supposed to do. And again, this is hypothetical because once you have that fear, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be readily available. Now, as we go with the lines, and inshallah we'll wrap up this episode with this line, he explains that if I do end up there, let me tell you something that the punishment is not the thing I'm actually worried about. There's something else. As much as I talked about the punishment, there's actually something else that is much more painful for me if I have to experience it. So he's going to get into that, inshallah, in uh, a couple of lines. And inshallah, we'll leave that for the next episode, inshallah.